Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Real Sports, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. Emily Anderson and I are talking a little golf in honor of what would have been Masters Week. We are talking Hit It Hard, the 30 for 30, covering John Daly's career, and we talk everything to do with the documentary, some stuff that wasn't in there. This one was a lot of fun to record. We cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Make sure to tweet at us. ThunderBLG is the handle on Twitter. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. Go join the Facebook group while you're there. You can help vote on new topics. You can submit questions. Really be a part of the conversation, and that's what we're looking for here, as well as feedback, because this is a new series. This is only our third episode. So really help us improve. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Like I mentioned, search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But enjoy this episode. Have a great week. We will talk to you soon. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of Real Sports, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, joining me, as she has now for the third time in as many Real Sports episodes, is the lovely Emily Anderson, third and girl. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. We're talking some golf today. Even though it should be Masters Week, we decided to cover Hit It Hard, the John Daly 30 for 30 that came out a few years ago. And I'm very excited to watch this one. This was uh, a doc that I had always had earmarked. And due to just kind of how 30 for 30s went from being really available to in the advent of the ESPN app that now is ESPN Plus being completely gone, this is one I ended up missing. So I'm glad I ended up getting to watch it. Uh, we, If you remember from last week with the Dennis Rodman documentary and Rodman for better or worse we left it up to me to decide I wanted to maybe do baseball and then this spoke to me being Masters Week so I'm very excited to talk some golf I'm hoping to get out on the course soon hoping the quarantine or at least the outdoor portion of the quarantine gets eased up but we all got to stay inside so everybody continues to stay inside but Emily John Daly before we jump into the documentary what were your thoughts going into both the doc? What did you know about John Daly? What did you expect? Kind of walk us through this. I didn't really know a ton about him. I honestly was surprised as I watched the documentary, like, that he was actually, like, pretty good at golf. Mm-hmm. Like, I just always thought that he was, like, this guy that, like, was, like, the life of the party. I knew about, like, the Ar- John Daly's being, like, a hard Arnold Palmer. So, mm-hmm. like, the, like, drinking and, like, the partying. But, like, I never actually knew that he was, like, actually good at golf. Yeah, you mean the two major wins? Yeah, like, I just thought he was, like, some guy that was just always around, but, like, never won anything. Yeah, that's kind of something interesting about golf in general, is the the big names are usually that of guys who have won at least some form of tournament. Most notably, like, Bryson DeChambeau was a guy that a lot of people, both on the tour and fans, got annoyed with recently, because he was a guy who, he won the U.S. Amateur and, and was this big name Coming into the 2016 Masters, I think is when he was a he was an amateur and then went pro because uh, he wore this news he had. He had all these clubs that are the same length, and 
He has all these commercials afterwards with IBM and, and a bunch of different stuff because he's the, the rocket scientist and kind of getting back on the point of John Daly, to be that level is, you know, you have to have won something, which I, I knew we'd won two majors. Um, but, yeah, I didn't realize, I, you know, obviously there's a reason why the John Daly is an Arnold Palmer with booze, even though, as we learned very quickly, that he quickly gave up booze because he was drinking a fifth of Jack Daniels every day. That's how he helped lose weight when he got to the University of Arkansas. Wild. Um, but we are drinking beers in his honor and also for National Beer Day. So cheers, Emily. Cheers. Mind drinking seltzer. Yeah. Seltzer on National Beer Day. This is a thing. But, he, but you know, I, I knew, obviously, from the song that inspired the name of the documentary, Hit It Hard, that he gambled and he smoked, or he gambled and he drank and he smoked three packs a day. Um, you know, the, he had that lifestyle, the, you know, the the partying, hard partying lifestyle. And it was fun to dive into it and see how he grew up and everything there and his life. And they showed his love life around it, which they skipped a few parts, which we'll talk about as we go through everything. But they really focused on coming out of nowhere to win the 91 PGA Championship all the way through the Open in 95 where he wins in a playoff. And they focus on the in-between in that four, or in almost four-year span. Um, and, you know, they'll talk a little bit afterwards, towards the end, and they dive in between a number of different golf personalities, namely David Faraday and Jim Nance. And I thought that was pretty interesting because both of them do not work for ESPN. And this is an ESPN film. Faraday is a Golf Channel personality, for those of you who don't know. And Jim Nance, of course, works for CBS introduces you, as he always does, with a great hello, friends. <laughs> Hands out his tie for college basketball. He would have done it last night. Instead of us watching it, we could have been watching the national championship game. Then he goes to Augusta. Greatest week for any human being is Jim Nance, the week of the Masters. But anyway, I'm digressing. Emily, we start with the 91 PGA Championship, and it interludes between there and his childhood in showing him being an Arkansas man ending up going to the University of Arkansas. And what I thought was interesting in, in, in all of that, they talk about obviously about how he went in, he lost a ton of weight because the coach said, basically, you're too fat to put, be on my team. Um, in researching Emily, it turns out that he moved around a little bit. He lived in Virginia as a 13-year-old and won a club championship at a country club. And after which the country club... <laughs> Made a no-kids policy for its club championships. Then he moved to Missouri, ends up winning the Missouri State Open, which is where he ends up uh, you know, going pro, and that's his first big win. But goes to Arkansas and is shown to have a fairly successful college career. Goes Turns pro in 86, five years later ends up winning the PGA, and comes literally an overnight success. They use that term a couple times. And he's engaged to who will be his second wife. That is one thing they did not mention, that he was previously married before this this tournament win. Um, but yeah, then, it, then his life takes off. They show all the different endorsements that he gets. He has an instruction video. What were your thoughts seeing all of this? Well, I didn't think that the documentary did a good job of like showing the amount of time that spanned between when he went pro and when he won the PGA. Like, yeah. it seemed like it was, like, he went pro and then this happened because he was, like, a seventh alternate to, like, even get in yeah. to the to to the tournament. 
like he had to drive all night to like even get there and it wasn't even guaranteed the that he would. 87 was when he turned pro. Apologies for the wrong year. So that um it wasn't like exactly clear that he had like toiled away mm-hmm. for 5 years before winning that. Yeah. Um but yeah, it really seemed like he because he was, you know, they tell they would obviously have told the story on the broadcast of him being um, this alternate, like, it really, it's, like, such a good story. It's, like, you know, you see them all the time to go back to the NCAA tournament of these, like, Cinderella teams that, like, come and make it to the Final Four or the, the Elite Eight, what was the the one Catholic school last year or two years ago with the, that had the nun. Yeah, Loyola. Yeah, like... Sister Jean. Sister, I saw a really bad Photoshop of, like, Sister Jean dunking a basketball and it'd be like, there'll be no Sister Jean this year. This was, like, Post, no fans, pre-tournament mm-hmm. cancellation. But anyways, um, so obviously people are going to get behind that story, and that was really what um, facilitated this overnight success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, this is August. You know, it's four years after he graduates, and you mentioned it, that they, they talk about a little bit on the broadcast. He's the, this, ninth, this ninth alternate or whatever number it ends up being. Um, they're Crooked Stick Golf Club in Indiana. He lives in Arkansas. Um, and really, it does almost like his almost like his career, I guess, shows a shot out of the gun of all these different endorsements. Um, really takes a hard, heavy showing about how much he loves McDonald's, which I thought was pretty funny, just because it's Northwest Arkansas, <laughs> McDonald's there. Um, they didn't mention though that that he talks about it when he's getting interviewed that they. He bought a nice McDonald's meal for his fiance. Um, he also did donate thirty thousand dollars for a fan or the family of a fan who, sadly, this fan was struck by lightning and was killed. Oh wow! Yeah, so he and he really was a was a huge not huge but loved to give money back and and help you know help out kids, help out a number of different charities and everything. And, and I think he does to this day. Yeah, like, he still he's does. Really well, like involved in the Arkansas community and really. Um, tries to give back there so yeah so they really so they they talk about that he ends up getting married to betty who in the now history of you not liking how people's names are spelled hers <laughs> with is, the e at the end with the e at the it's end bad. b-e-t-t-y-e fullard bad. uh they have his first daughter similarly you mentioned this to last week to the rodman doc of showing how that kind of changes how they were and how the and it's kind of where the forks go between the two subjects of the last two documentaries we had where it really shows John being there for his kids' lives and and help despite ending up having four different marriages, his middle two are the ones that, that resulted with his kids, but they really showed him being there, you know, being there and present physically, maybe not mentally because of the amount of booze that he drank or beers. Uh, although a couple times booze, um, they do talk about and they they veer away from golf a little bit of some of the the other stuff and um, especially with Betty of how he was alleged to us, that he might have hit her. He says he did not. She didn't press charges. Um, they really yada yada that he's living in Colorado at this point, which I thought was interesting because you really do associate him with being this Southern boy, being this you know country guy that's the the anti. Uh, country club movement, or not movement, but anti-country club, um, and it's kind of funny. In, in the span of it, you get John Daly, 
the real life, they show Caddyshack, a couple scenes there, and then a year after he wins the Open, both Happy Gilmore and Tin Cup come out, both of which John Daly has claimed that each character, Happy Gilmore and Roy McElroy, <laughs> McAvoy, excuse me, um, I miss Rory, <laughs> um, were based off of them. Both are not true. I looked it up. Um, but this is, you know, it really shows that. And, and it you think of him as being from the South, and they kind of yada yada it. But um, Betty didn't want to pursue, pursue charges. He has said both, he said on the dock, and he said a number of times that he has never nor would ever hit a woman. So it's kind of a he said and what the perception of it is. Uh, and then they show Sherry, his third wife, second in the dock, uh, and that he, and that he, um, oh no, no, uh, Sherry's his fourth wife, who they do not mention. Uh, the third wife was Paulette, excuse mm-hmm. me, Paulette Dean, pretty close to Paula Dean. <laughs> um, Sherry appears, because we'll talk about that towards the end of why she has more on the Wikipedia page. Paulette, like I mentioned, mother of his two Second and third child is one, his one son, John Jr., and his second daughter, Sierra. Um, they met when she was 19. She was basically a... Ball girl is not the right term. What would you call her role at the golf tournament in Los Angeles? I don't know. A sp- model? Sponsor model? Sure. That sure. works. I don't yeah. Um, but they met. He wooed her, took her out to dinner, and they have this kind of star-crossed crash course romance and they end up getting married pretty quickly have the two kids it also really i mean they're only married for four years and they do show the end of his of his marriage and this was one thing that i thought was really interesting because they made it seem like he he and betty have this marriage that ends kind of in the the middle between the pga and the british open win so you would think 93 this all happens in 1995 so he's dating and ends up getting married to this woman in Paulette very quickly and ends up going to win the British Open. Uh, I get it for the flow of the story that that's what all this was, but it's important too because they show them splitting up and you'd almost they show it after the British Open win, but you think in this crash of it that everything fell apart there and we'll we'll get to it a little bit, but I thought that that, the way they showed that relationship, and at first they make it seem like she may even still be around. Um, Yeah, they seem to have from from her speaking of him on the documentary, they seem to have a good relationship now. She yeah. really doesn't sugarcoat things with their relationship with his drinking and, like, what really made her leave. But I think that probably for the sake of their kids and he seems to be a good dad, that, you know, they're maybe they're still friends or maybe, you know, she doesn't feel the need to, like badmouth him because he does these things for his kids but she does mention you know when he was drinking she was like i'm done like i can't do this anymore like this is the end you know if at one point they talk about his gambling which was another big point of contention for her and she was like he would gamble away her cars and all this stuff and she was like you know if i come home and my car is gone then i'm gone like kind of like you have to put your foot down with people's vices and addictions and you can't be an enabler so i think that that was probably um one of like the main factors in the end of their marriage i thought that that's a really good point you bring up of the enabling because they they really do they do a really good job with her and i'm sure that's the i'm sure it seems like it's still very amicable i don't know where in the you know the late 90s when they end up splitting up in 1999 
where that ends up going. But they do show some people in the media talking about him in comparison to her. And that's part of why, again, coming into this, I didn't realize he had four different wives and then he has this serious girlfriend that they showed at the very end. Um, but they really show that he's this complete mess of a, of a person at times with, with some of the boozing and how hammered he was. And, and there's that, there's how the tour players really seem to gravitate around him, despite him making controversial claims of, you know, guys are, guys wouldn't pass drug tests, all this sort of stuff, you know, and then, and then he turns around and they show him saying to the media, I just got to worry about me to guys in the media saying like we're enabling him we love his party attitude and we're just enabling it and maybe some of that is true but it, it seemed like they were a little harder on him in the moment that and it's important to say in the moment because now i think we look back with rose tinted glasses at daly's career despite the fact that he only won five events on the tour and two of them were majors which is great brooks kepka's won four majors at this point and i think a few other tour titles Granted, that's four majors, but still, it's you know this meteoric rise, and I think he's proven to be a little more built to last than John Daly was. So this is a bad comparison. Although, is he the one that like slipped and fell on the stairs and broke? His no, head? that was Dustin Johnson. Oh. Who? There's a lot of conspiracy theories about why that happened at the Masters. Yeah, uh, including the he he though, unlike Brooks Kepka, he did have to pull out of the tour for a little bit due to a little. Uh, nose candy problem. Mm. So that's a little more... Dustin Johnson's a little more uh, John Daly-like, although... He's the Gretzky one, right? Yeah, he's married to Paul, Paul, Paulina Gretzky. Um, yeah, he... Uh, but he's... But Dustin Johnson is, is like is more like Kepka. But both of them, to kind of circle it back to John Daly, both of them hit it a mile. Um, and that's one thing we didn't even mention. The thing that really brought John Daly out and brought... And that was his brand, was being able to hit the ball a mile and kind of reversing it that was something that he seemed to really love to show to the fans about they mentioned he'd hit the wrong club off of a tee where he because they wanted to see him hit driver and they wanted to see him hit it so far away they going back to tin cup he had a he had himself a tin cup moment in the 90 in late 99 where he ends up scoring a 16 on the 18th hole um, which I'm sh- you've not seen Tin Cup, right? No. So it's a Kevin Costner movie. It spoiler alert for the 1996 classic. It is a classic. Mm-hmm. 97 or 70 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. That might be a movie we cover on Real Sports. Okay. All right. But he ends up in the U.S. Open. He continues to dump balls in the water as he's trying to instead of laying up like the John like the song no, like the song says no laying up that John Daly wrote hit it hard. Uh, and then ends up holing out to score a 12. John Daly did something similar. Didn't hole out, but people were chanting, Tin Cup, Tin Cup. And he never really, despite having all of this, he still had this this f- fan-favorite attitude. And he was a guy who, who didn't really win a ton, but they talk so much about his unconventional swing because he took the club so far back, which lets you, and you asked me during the doc, it lets you get so much club speed on it. You know, physics, mm-hmm. the harder you hit it, the further it goes. Problem with it is that there's so much less control that you can have over it. It's why sports science did something on Happy Gilmore, and would that actually work with the gallop and the full slap shot-like swing where it's even further than the slap shot? 
So well, he mentions mentions in the documentary like why he swings like that too, yeah. and that he got full size clubs when he was younger, and he didn't want to have them cut down, so they were too heavy for him, and so it really he had to. That's how he swung because of the momentum of the head of the club, and then bringing it around, and at that point he just learned how to swing like that. Yeah, exactly, and that then that's one thing too that a lot of pros they end up doing. Jim Shirk's a guy who has the hitch in his swing. You see the Japanese players that'll pause at the top of it. You see it in baseball too, where pitchers will pause when their foot's up when they're you know, in the middle of their windup. Or Ichiro had the big step before he swung. Uh, you know, so it's you know you learn how you learn. But it was something that, that really went off, and he had the Jack Nicholas book that he used to learn mm-hmm. how to swing. And they even try to interview Jack during the PGA in 1991, and he, Jack's kind of like, "Oh, well, let's see how he does." and they compare him to Arnold Palmer a lot because of the you know the this personality that he shows. And granted, there's a lot more a lot more personality shown both uh, in the fashion sense as well mm-hmm. as in uh, the way he conducted himself. But it's it was an it's an incredible experience to see how all of this went. And you know that like we mentioned, they kind of yada yada through some of the actual golf between the two tournaments. He ends up winning two more before the 95 British Open, where he ends up winning in the, that is his country records. Uh, he went, ends up winning the British British Columbia Open in 1992, and then the Bell South Classic in 94. Um, he gets close at a couple other tournaments, you know, going back, and it is Masters Week, we got to talk about how he did there. He came in third place in 1993, that was his best finish there. This was something I thought was really intriguing to look back on um he his best finish there was tied third in in 93 and 92 was his second best finish at t19 and he never was really totally able to catch back up to it he he continues to make the cut for as many years as he continues to qualify doesn't make it in 97 they talk about that a little bit where he withdrew to go to rehab and then after making the cut in 98 and 99, where he does not finish inside the top 25 in any of those appearances after the T3, he misses the cut in 2000, 2004, 2005, and 2006. The only other time that he made the cut in there was in 2002. Didn't play in 01, 2003. Has not played in the Masters since 2006. The U.S. Open has not played in since 2005. And he actually played for it in actually played in it in 1986 and 1989, um, but then misses it a ton. That's his second lowest participation. The British Open is his highest, and um, uh, actually no, the PGA is. Excuse me, um, because both of those provided that you're uh, British Open as long as you're under 60, you can play. If you're a past champion, PGA you can just keep playing just like Augusta. As long as you want to, you can be 100 years old and say, I'm playing, and you get to play. Um, so, But he has not made the cut at a major since 2012, where he finished tied 18 at the PGA. Um, and yeah, last year I've, last year was the infamous. He wanted to drive a golf cart at uh, Bethpage Black and was not able to, did not end up making the cut. So it's, a, it's an interesting career he's had, because he ends up, they show him ending up winning the Buick Invitational in 2004. He gets named Comeback Player of the Year there because it is such a windy road in between uh, 
that last in between the Open Championship and there, and that was his last PGA Tour victory. He has since gone on to to join the the Champions Tour, which is the Senior Tour. Uh, he won an event there, but yeah, it's it's been a ride for him, and he he recognizes it. I think the candidness is really an appealing part of this documentary, though. And not that Dennis Robin wasn't candid, not that the various Big East coaches shown no. in the first doc we covered weren't, but I think there's something to that and of the personality that kind of draws you in. I don't know. Where did you come from this of not really being the biggest golf fan in the world? Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I mean, I'm much more invested in him as a person than as a golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really... To be blunt, I don't, like, particularly, I'm not impressed by, like, a gazillion major wins, and I don't particularly, like, care that much that he, you know, hasn't made the cut in so long, because I don't think that's what makes him an intriguing person, or, like, an intriguing sports figure, or even what, like, makes him, like, an enduring sports figure. It's not his performance, so... Um, I think, like, the more interesting parts of the documentaries were, you know, his battle with alcoholism and his various relationships and still the way that people gravitate towards him because despite these demons and things that he's battling, he continues to, like, be interested in people to, you know, want to love the game of golf and still play it with the correct amount of respect and that the other players admire and you know people admire when people face their demons and beat them I think so I think that that's you know part of his charm and I know he says at points you know the fans love me because they see their struggles in me and we kind of go through them together and I'm not shying away from them and I'm honest about them and I'm kind of saying you know I've dealt with this stuff and it's okay if you've dealt with it too yeah absolutely and I think that kind of brings in the one question that we got from uh, my buddy Matt Height, who asks, you know, when I think of Daly, even with the two majors, wasted talent comes to mind. Do you think too many people have made excuses for him over the years because of his likable personality? Um, I don't know if it's excuses. I don't know that you would add if. I think most people would maybe say that there is a waste of talent there. Just based on what we've, like, seen that he can do, but I also think that, you know, golf is, like, a sport that, I mean, I don't play golf, but it just seems to me that, you know, you could just, it could just happen that, like, you have 12 off days in a year and they all fall on, on, like, tournament days, like, you know, like, there's, it's not, there's not such a large sample size as, like, a baseball or something, you know, you have how many at-bats uh, a year, you know? Well, for however many starts you play in a given week, you're playing you know, at least 18 holes on practice days. Um, the one thing that I wish they would have covered a little bit, Tuesdays traditionally are the big gambling days for pros. Like, that's where Phil Mickelson will talk, will really loves to open up about that. Um, which is, you know, some, of the, the, some of the stuff he puts up on Twitter is pretty funny. But... That would have been kind of interesting to see if, you know, where Daly fell in with that. Because they do talk about the staggering amounts of money that he lost. <laughs> yeah, we were really shocked. Twice as, as much as he won on the PGA Tour. Um, it was like what? Like, you think 
he lost 90 million gambling and like 140 million gambling. Yeah, he won somewhere between 40 to 50 million. But he like lost a, like nearly nearly twice that amount. He he, he estimated somewhere between 70 to 90 million dollars in losses. Yeah. Um yeah, I you know, I kind of think there is some ex, ex, not necessarily excuses, but but and I don't want to use the enabling because I don't think it was I don't think we I don't think we enabled him to do all that stuff. I think at a certain point there is, you know, and I don't want to belittle addiction any any part of it, but I think the pressure's there, and that that really emphasized in the ninety mm-hmm. in the ninety five British Open win that he's pounding chocolate, literally is just peanut M and M's, whatever he can get a hold on it. He is using that to try to really curb the alcohol withdrawal. Um, but I think they talk yeah, a lot. and, like, anxiety. Yeah, and anxiety. And I think that's part of why, you know, he turned to, turn, probably at times, turned to it. Again, I'm not a doctor, and I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound blasé about alcoholism. Um, but, yeah, I think there is a degree of excuses that kind of let him continue, and, and there's times where he, you know, he, he maybe should have gotten a harder... Then you know, a harder hammer thrown at him, the book, throw the book at him harder, um, kind of fucking up judicial mm-hmm. terms. But I don't know. I feel like if if a John Daly existed, you know, in his prime, because he still does, he still plays on the on the Champions Tour, and will probably continue to pop up at the PGA and maybe at the maybe whenever the Open does come back. That that was an over exaggeration. I'm bummed that he mm-hmm. didn't. Fun fact: he won the British Open on my birthday. Wow, it's part of the reason why it's my one of my favorite majors, mm. or is my favorite major. But um, yeah, I think that he, if he existed today, you know, if he if he won the two thousand six PGA or wherever he ends, or two thousand sixteen PGA, um, and that's where his career began and and everything, and has this meteoric rise. Maybe something like what happened to Dustin Johnson in two thousand fourteen, where he pulls out. He pulls out of the season out of nowhere, and just it gives himself a. He he originated the self quarantine, disappears off the face of the earth, um, and then ends up. I think it was fourteen, but then ends up coming back. He has the the whole thing at Oakmont in two thousand sixteen. Comes back to win in seventeen. Um, but that kind of happened. Like he pulled himself off the tour to go yeah. to rehab twice. I think though that like I. And maybe this is just the way the documentary portrayed it, of that he was more out of control and people, like at times he had to be forced to go to rehab. And maybe there was some of this stuff going on um, that that he had to, that he had to end up pulling, that, that he kind of was forced more to go to rehab. I'm sorry, I was circling back on something in my mind. Um, trying to think of when all the... The DJ stuff happened. It was 15. He blows the blows the U.S. Open and wins in 16. But then there's the ball moving. That's where my mind was. <laughs> my uh, Dustin Johnson screwed up my mind. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like I f- feel like he might have gotten in a little more trouble with with social media being around. I feel like you know we we didn't really totally see it, but there was a little more tabloid like coverage with Dennis Rodman. And granted. He's hanging out with Carmen Electra and everything going on there. Mm-hmm. And for those that didn't listen last week, we talked about Dennis Rodman and, and everything that happened with him, and that's why we're comparing it. We the doc ended, and Emily was like, "This is almost perfect that we end up doing these back to back." 
And I don't know. I think with social media and, and how that all happens, like his his second, the whole thing with his second wife and how that and how that all goes down. I mean, especially in a post Ray Rice world, I feel like we might go qu- quicker to turn on him there and not make the excuse. Um, and then there's other stuff. I mentioned Sherry, who there's nothing mentioned of his third wife because Sherry Miller, his um, his one wife, allegedly stabbed him. Yeah. And then she at some point bled, pled guilty. Um, knife still mm-hmm. stuck in my head. She pled guilty to federal drug charges and ended up going to prison for five months. Um, and John Daly ends up getting getting little John. You even hear him call him LJ. Uh, Which the, is so confusing to me because yeah. that was not Sherry's kid. So yeah, the the we probably should have done a little more digging because <laughs> the this shows little shows John Daly Jr. is his kid, but then the one the one account shows that it's Paula's kids uh, or Paulette's kids. So that that was one thing, at least from yeah. us trying to use Wikipedia as a I source. I think they're Paulette's kids because she mentions my kids. Yeah, she. Yeah, we at least got we got her and we sh- saw the kids there. But I feel like that gets blown up way more if there's a wife that's for one actually allegedly coming to, coming at him with a knife. I mean, Lucas Glover is a guy on the tour whose wife has had the police called on her because she allegedly berates him for having terrible scores. This is actual factual. Google it. And if this woman's attacking her in a Memphis in a Memphis restaurant with a knife and he shows up the next day to his tea time with scratches on his faces or on his face from you know allegedly getting attacked by his wife I feel like that in today's society gets affected a little bit more so I feel like kind of I to mean, circle back on it gets affected but I don't necessarily in the court of public opinion don't think people that people turn on him because I also think it's a society we're very quick to forgive people's transgressions I mean look at Tiger that's true. We're going to talk off. Like, yeah, people, like, will still bring it up, but I think that he's pretty, like, universally, like, loved. And yeah. when he won the Masters, everyone was freaking out. Like, because everyone loves, like, more than any, not more than anything, but, like, like people love an underdog story. People love a comeback story. Mm-hmm. And if you give them the opportunity for that comeback story to exist in any shape or form, mm-hmm. they're going to gravitate towards it. Like, we were saying, like... For John Daly in comparison to Dennis Rodman, like, after the Dennis Rodman documentary, we were kind of, like, bummed out. We were like, this is, like, sad. Like, he just wants to be a good dad, and he can't. And But, like, then you look at John Daly, and you're like, you know, he's he's a good dad. He's taking John, little John, like, out to his, like, amateur tournaments, yeah. like, driving around on the golf like course with him like sharing his love of golf with his son like they show him like doing math homework with him like here's a guy that like maybe didn't live up to his fullest potential on the golf course but like he's you know hanging out with his kids and he seems to have a comfortable life and he gets to play on the senior tour and like what i mean he seems happy and like oh yeah he's definitely happy this ended on a much more positive note. Yeah. We're like, Rodman, I'm like, I don't, is he happy? He doesn't seem happy. Well, Rodman got arrested a month after his 30 for 30 dropped. Yeah. And meanwhile, John Daly, since this dropped, because he had just turned 50, they show him at the 2015 Open at, at back at St. Andrews. Um, and 
he's about to turn 50, which is when you're allowed to go and join the Champions Tour. Yeah. He's since won a Champions Tour event since this documentary aired. Yeah. There, so there's the there's the two angles there of and I think also going back kind of to, to Matt's question, but also to just the difference between these two figures of Rodman knew he needed help and never helped himself. John Daly always recognized he needs help mm-hmm. and tried to make strides to do it and then eventually addiction reared its ugly head. Yeah. Where they show him being sober and saying, I need to drink to play my best golf, but I can't because I I'm an alcoholic versus versus Rodman having all these different difficulties and kind of shooting himself in the foot, whether it be mentally or whatever happens. And similarly, they're kind of the reverse, actually. He played his best basketball in Detroit when he wasn't drinking and then goes to San Antonio and after losing this family in Detroit, starts drinking and goes crazy in, in San Antonio. And then because he's Michael Jordan, ends up winning three titles and yeah. goes that way. But... I think it's really interesting that he, he had all of that, and I thought the coolest part, going back to Arnie, was them showing him talk to Arnie. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome to see with, you know, obviously Arnie has since passed. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. I'm like, I'm, I was starting to tear up a little bit seeing it, because it's just, it's cool to see him, but they ask him about you know what he's doing at at Bay Hill, and you know he's changing it. his are you changing the greens again? <laughs> it's like you changing the greens. Like yeah, we we did a lot of the golf course. Oh, you know you need to stop messing around with that. Like, yeah, and like I think that the golf world, and not that the basketball world didn't love Rodman, and not that the college basketball landscape didn't love the East. Try to loop together all three of these <laughs> that we've done, but it really showed that one of the greatest golfers ever, one of the most beloved personalities in the sport really love this guy and that how tight that community is because there are a lot of different guys who people didn't like really thought was an asshole or whatever you know whether they be american european whatever you know south african australian whomever but the fact that he's able to to have that connection with a guy who you know one that we almost did was is is June 16th, 1994, which shows his, Arnold Palmer's last round in the U.S. Open because he was you know, just that old. And that's the reason why I'm saying that is that's how much of a gap there is between when these guys mm-hmm. were in their primes and the fact that they have that connection. And Daly hasn't even, you know, he probably stepped on a golf course oh so many times with Arnold Palmer, uh, but never... You know, you have to go Rocky Balboa style to really have you know, something something competitive. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen Rocky Six, the uh, well, that's what it is the the virtual simulation. Um, in terms of side note, how have we not seen more of those in this time of quarantine? Virtual simulations. The, the, the people saying Rocky Balboa would have beaten Mason the Lion Dixon in in the virtual boxing. How have we not seen more of those pop up? I don't know. Because we're watching two K tournaments. <laughs> Between it's NBA round players. two tonight. Oh man, Where well, isn't it? Yeah, we gotta watch Shit's Creek though. Yes, but yeah, I the, some of the stuff though, they they show the other side of Daly of how he melted down, and I don't know if that's where some of the entertainment aspect came out of him. That not only is this guy that hits him hits the ball a billion miles, and he is candid with us. He's not the country club 
you know, button up guy that you see so much out of golf of the happy go more line of, you know, oh, you couldn't dress up for this. If I dress myself up like that, pointing at a guy in plaid pants, I'd kick my own ass. Mm. Like John Daly was the reverse of that. He's not Shooter McGavin. He probably he, he probably would have beaten the crap out of Shooter McGavin. Like like Happy Gilmore beats the crap out of Bob Barker, and I think seeing those meltdowns, like Happy Gilmore having, was part of the appeal. They show him throwing his clubs into the into the ocean at Pebble. They show him javeling a, uh, a flag. flag stick, and people I think that, love that. Like, who doesn't love a fight? People, that's why people like, well, that's why I like hockey. But, like, people, like, a benches clearing brawl, you're going to tell me that people don't get so excited about that? Or, like, a fight in basketball or anything. Like, anything out of the ordinary where people show, like, an extraordinary amount of emotion, like, people love that. Oh, yeah. So, it doesn't, like, surprise me that people connect to this guy. Because how many people who are out on a Saturday afternoon with their buddies, like, don't want to just, like, slam their club or, like, chuck it into the brush or whatever if you hit a bad shot? Like, it's like, oh, he's like us. Like, he does stuff like we do. Stars, they're just like us. Exactly. Um, That is one of the the better Thunder Cup tales that might have to be. If we ever do an oral history. Okay, we'll save it. the, The Joe Tona. All all in one motion club snap over his knee, uh, the very first one from a couple years ago. But yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I don't know though. Just asking that question is that part of you know what that the news reporter in there was showing us us enabling him and saying was this a cry for help that we should have been like, all right, man, I know we know you're anti country club and we don't do this out on the golf course like that kind of an attitude. And maybe we should dial it in for you and we can help you that way. I don't think so because I didn't read in any of that, like, on-course behavior as, like, part of his, like, alcohol issues. Like, he says there he was only drinking during, like, one tournament. That is – that I'd heard that story before. And for those that have not watched the documentary, he's talking about an event that it's so slow he starts off on the back nine and he didn't even – the way I heard it was on a podcast, and he basically says that he, he was terrible on the back nine. That was the first nine he played. He thought he was going to miss the cut, so he goes in, has a hamburger, and has like a dozen beers and just downs them, thinking he's going to miss the cut anyway, and ends up shooting like five under on the front nine and making the cut. That is an incredible story that really only John Daly and... Also, who can just like down a dozen beers? I mean, he's a big boy. Still. I mean, Andre the Giant allegedly drank a barrel of beer. That is, like, if you think about that, it's crazy. Yeah. No, but I mean, he probably's chugging and everything, and, you know, they didn't really show him getting after it. John Daly, this is, not Andre the Giant. That's different, Doc. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, pro- he probably was just getting after it and got excited and wanted, it, wanted the 19th hole to come earlier. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, the only other story I can think that's even close to that is there was a guy, Eddie Pepperell, who a couple years ago at the Open thought, it, it was after the third round, thought he'd really shot himself out of the tournament. He and his caddy both have a bottle of wine with dinner, got a little, you know, had a full bottle. These are guys who aren't drinking every day, and other bodies are temples, so yada, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, the, to go back to Tiger, that's the Tiger effect is mm-hmm. we don't need to, dr- we're not drinking a ton, we're working out a ton. Uh, 
and he ends up shooting like a six under mm-hmm. on the final round. And he he comes off the course like a shot behind the leader. He's like, well, shit, I'm right here. I think it was like two years ago. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's able to do that kind of stuff and that he he's smoking darts all over the place yeah. too, which is uh, allegedly how he got. Addicted to cigarettes was going back to that having to lose weight. Mm-hmm. They were smoking cigarettes, eating popcorn, and Jack Daniels. The the three pillars of of a <laughs> well, of a he- healthy college athlete diet that might not be totally off. I know we're kidding around. There's probably a lot of that going on with uh, not just go- college golfers, probably some other ones too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I wasn't a, I wasn't a uh, varsity athlete in college. Neither was I. Club sports. Woo. But um. Yeah, he's a complete character. Do you think we'll see somebody to that level again ever? Um, not to that level in terms of, like, drinking and partying, but it's so different now the way that people, like, create these personas and they're the brand and all that stuff. Because, like... I love Ricky Fowler, but I don't love Ricky Fowler because of the golf course. I think he does, like, when him and the boys go on their golf trips and they document everything on Instagram stories, like, and they're drinking there and they're getting after it, but it's not, like, debaucherous drinking, you know, because it's, they're choosing to put it out there, but it's still, you know, it's a more manufactured thing, but I think with social media and things like that, people are able to show more of who they are, but they just get to choose what they show. Sure. And, and there was actually a, I, in researching for this, there was one that said, hold on spring break boys. John Daly did it first where he, uh, he ended up going out both shirtless and shoeless. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the, they're almost like Chuck Norris or, um, you know, Bill Brasky type facts. Some of the stuff that if you look up, yeah. These crazy but true things that John Daly did that he had his own, you know, in the in the same time that Tiger Woods had the EA Sports games, John Daly had John Daly's Pro Stroke Golf which he which came out in 2010. That sounds like a Nintendo 64 game that goes that like maybe goes against Mario Golf and gets mm-hmm. completely blown out. Um he uh yeah, he's Obviously, he has hit it hard. That's from his second country album. Hit it hard got all the way up to what tenth? Number ten. That was my fun fact for the end. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess we can just <laughs> continue going there. Do you know I saw John Daly play? No. The 2000 Pennsylvania Open at Waynesboro. Mm. You know Waynesboro. Yeah. Oh, Waynesboro is near where my mom lives. It's a. I thought you meant like play like a set, not like golf. No, 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 not. That would be pretty cool. Um... <laughs> I don't think I've seen a pro athlete play in his band. I've seen an actor play in his band. I've seen Kevin Bacon perform. Mm. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Waynesboro, 2000. And I remember, though, like, I was 10 years old. It was in September. I think, what, 2000? I'd be in fourth grade. Uh, but I remember, my like, my dad and I walked over, because we lived across Route 252, and I remember thinking, sitting on the ninth green... And like, oh, John Daly's on the front nine. And we're thinking like, oh, let's see John Daly play. And I don't know. I barely knew anything about golf. I knew Tiger Woods. That was really about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I played in the kids' clinics at Golf Mills, but that was really about it. Um, that wasn't our dog, was it? I think so. If you guys didn't hear anything, there was just a dog. No. Freaky. Yeah, it's in there outside. Um, man, two weeks in a row. Last week it was a loud ambulance, mm-hmm. and this week it's dogs that people might not be able to hear. 
But yeah, it was that was. I mean, there at ten, it was. Oh yeah, we got to see this guy, and I'm sure part of that was if I'm not remembering this because it's I was ten. I vaguely remember going over there, but I'm sure part of that was my dad who loved golf and loved the PGA Tour even way before Tiger Woods you know, was probably even winning U.S. Amateurs. That probably was partly him being like, oh yeah, we got you know, knowing the whole story of the two majors and everything, but. Yeah, I mean, even then, you know, ten year old Jordy knew, like, oh, I gotta see this dude. But I don't know what. Other, do you have any other fun facts that still yours? You it, but I do have a question. <laughs> okay. Why did they say amateur in golf? What instead of amateur? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's a British thing. If they say amateur. That was a terrible British accent. All right, Emily. Am amateur. That was better than yours. Crikey! <laughs> That's all the shit. Oh, all right. All right. Ah. I think these these are our cues to wrap up. Yeah, I guess so. Well, we pull um, out our accent. Yeah, I mean, he, um, I don't know, he, we, we didn't even talk about some of the stuff of him with sobriety and having, having, um, Hollywood Henderson as his buddy who shows mm-hmm. up in the dock and how he apparently, which I don't even know, your parents are going to have to show us where these mega slot machines are that we'll never be able to gamble on because oh, we don't yeah. have $600,000 to stuff into a machine. And he's saying, like, oh, you got any money? Like, first of all, I'm pretty sure with AA, like, all other vices are kind of off the... Aren't they off the table? I don't know. Why are they on the, the slot floor of a Vegas casino? I don't think it's all other vices because I know a lot of people smoke. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, I don't know. Mm, okay. Uh, any other fun facts? Oh, you want to know what is his odds were to win the 1995 Open Championship? What? 66 to 1. I was going to say 69 to 1. I was going to say nice, and then it would, that would have been a great way to end it. It would have been a great one. Um, I guess he also was asked, and this is a good one to end, the Royal and Ancient, who own the St. Andrews collection of golf clubs or golf courses invited him to join their club and Daly replied I ain't joining if there's rules and crap I hate them rules and crap there you go what else is there to say um yeah he it was the ninth the ninth alternate um and he wow he had to wait. Part of the reason why he ended up driving overnight was because Nick Price was waiting to hear about the birth of his child. Mm. I had never heard of him. Recalled Ken Anderson, who oversaw the PGA PGA's alternates list. I had to go look him up in the PGA Tour Player Guide. There you go. No, no need for such research today. Exactly. But Emily, anything else you got? Nope, I'm good. What do you want to do next? Watch it's creep. <laughs> what documentary do you watch? Oh. We might do another one this week, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Okay. We do have some plans. Survivor night, obviously, Wednesday. Uh, our negative, our one negative anniversary. first anniversary on Thursday, April 9th. Uh, so we might be doing something for that. At the very least, ordering salmon. Fat salmon. Fat salmon. Sushi. Sushi. <laughs> ordering salmon. Quarantine needs to end. My mind is really going to wash. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, we'll figure out what we do and when we end up recording it. We could probably record on a Friday, and it's... SEO, I think, has just become 
always instead of optimal times to post something i think you could post i think instagram influencers could probably post something at 4 30 in the morning and they'll still get i'd it. be up you know, they'll still get all the likes that they would ever get at 9 a.m. at noon or whatever. Well, Instagram likes are going away, so. Really? You haven't heard that? Whoa! You're not in the influencer circle. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, they're supposed to be going Guys, away. Guys, help us get to the influencer circle. Like and subscribe. Like and, follow. And follow. And, and engage and comment. And engage, That's yeah. That's what you need. Wait, wait, what's the deal with these likes? Tell the people. Just, like, people think that, you know, people buy bots and things to like so it's oh. not a real accurate gauge of in of influence or engagement for advertisers and it, things sure. so yeah and plus it's just like a lot of like mental health like kid young kids Is like this did this happen before or after what the astros tipping pitches was this a, is this I a ripple this effect before oh damn i was Sorry. hoping that was like a ripple effect of like Buying influencers is like hearing about curveballs from a hanging trash can. <laughs> no. So, yeah, Instagram has said they're going to measure engagement other ways, like with comments and actual interaction and not likes. Interesting. So, it's definitely started so, going away on, like, some big influencers' things. You They can't see their likes. and like. Oh, you can't even see if someone liked your well, thing? Well, no, I think you can see your likes, but other people can't see your likes. Ah, okay. So, like, there's not, like, a, like, for, like... So, I can talk myself into thinking that I'm this super famous person. Maybe. But I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I still have likes. I can't even share things to my Instagram story. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So. I just need a Gata. That's all I need. Yeah. Go watch Dave. That's our recommendation. Our quarantine recommendation is Dave, I think. Yeah, yeah probably. I've been watching Letter Kenny. I mentioned that. I really like that show. I don't like that one. Yeah, I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a guy, guy humor show. Yeah, Dave starring uh, Dave Bird, a.k.a. Little Dicky, which it's the, it's supposed to be today in 2019-20 but the retelling of his career coming off and and starting and still very factual as actual hype man Gata is you know is his hype man on the show I don't know if his girlfriend is the actual girlfriend or not no No. but she is she's been in like music videos yeah she's been in she was in his pillow talk music video and I'm pretty sure she's dating the guy that directs a lot of Dave episodes and has directed a lot of Lil Dicky's music videos, mm. so it's very much like a community and a collaboration, yeah. and they all like like to work together. Yeah, and then a lot of rappers have been in it. Macklemore's been in it. Uh, young. They they mentioned Meek Mill a lot, but he hasn't actually been in it. I'm wondering if if well, I don't think Chris Brown would be a very good guest no. star to have, but Freaky Friday. But I wonder if like Kendall Jenner will show up. That would be funny. Or any of the people. Maybe Joel Embiid will show up. That'd be great. I was going to say Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons show up, and that's how they get Kendall Jenner. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm waiting for Ben to show up on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Are you? Are they they back together? They were during the season, but who knows now. They're not quarantined and chilling? I think Ben, I think, is in New Jersey, and I'm sure. Is that where he lives? He bought a big old house. There you go. Where, in Voorhees? I'm not sure, but it's got a big old basement game room with a candy room. Oh, yeah, you've shown me that. Yeah. It's cool. Is Joel downtown still? I think so. It's fun. Yeah, a lot of, uh, I know the flyers are a mixed bag of where they live. Mm-hmm. This is not, we've, this has turned into a weird... <laughs> well, this is a nice ending, you know, giving some padding of updating on our lives. No, but we sound creepy. Like, let me update you on the real estate. People, f- going back to social media and... <laughs> I guess going back to John Daly. If we saw John Daly fucking 
And we do now. We see him hitting golf balls off of cans and uh, David Faraday holding the tea in his mouth, which is an actual video, and he's done it with fans. Or him, he still does this now. He hypes crowds up by hitting golf balls off the size of this beer can, a 16-ounce Coors Light can. Uh, you know, if he was doing that at his heyday of alcoholism, like I feel like that would have really, really accelerated some stuff and that they'd have to act. Can be. Yeah. He's in the NBA. Adam Silver would have a field day with him. Mm-hmm. Say that. Dave Silver. Which, uh, speaking of other accusations of the ringer stealing things, uh, Bill Simmons did refer to him as David Silver on Oh, podcast. really? Yeah. Which I, uh, that's a reference to the rights to Ricky Sanchez, for those that don't know. Wow. Yeah, which I was like, whoa, Bill. And Rosillo did not recognize it. I don't think Rosillo knows about the Ricky, but Bill definitely does. Yeah, Bill definitely does. Um, so there's our tea from other podcasts. Although maybe Rosillo's read the process book. I don't know. I don't know. Rosillo's well read. Talks about all this stuff. It's a basketball book. So. It's a basketball book. Although he's a TV writer now, too, so mm-hmm. he's doing a lot of that. Although he apparently is playing video games. Again, more tea. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, that's right, right around our cue to exit. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will be back at some point with another one of these real sports. Uh, I've talked to Greg also about potentially doing another podcast. We haven't come up with a topic for that. Maybe do that over the weekend or at some point. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But seriously, let us know what you think. Thank you to Matt Height for his yes, question. thank you, Matt. Um, Got to have you on to talk golf once everything comes back. You don't want me to talk golf with my expertise now? Um, if you want to. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> but anyway... Make sure that you follow the Thunderblog, thunderblogsports.com, which is where you can find all the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, third and girl underscores on both sides of the and for Emily. Jordo9 for me. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. And then Jordo9 and E Anderson28. 120. 11? 1228. 12, 12, uh, or right. third and girl. Or third and girl. Um, and then join the Facebook group. Vote on what you think we should do next. This time I'll actually put up a poll. We just decided to, the hit, to do Hit It Hard. And let us know what questions you have. But until then, have a great weekend and a great week. And... Go Birds. Go Birds. <laughs>